Good morning, ladies. As we continue our study in 1 Peter, we will be looking at today chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. And I'll start off right off this morning by um, reading this passage. So if you want to just follow along with me. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let me just pray for us one more time before we get, as we begin. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering together as ladies to study your word, as well as the availability of a podcast for those who couldn't be here this morning. May you speak to each of us, drawing out your truths and bringing us to a closer relationship with you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Do we have hope? If we do, what do we hope for? Or what do we have hope in? Wishful thinking in things? Do we put our hope in people only to find out that they let us down? Broken promises, relationships are hurt, and disappointments prevail. What about our jobs? Certainly we can place our hope in that. But then there's a pandemic, major layoffs, and we find ourselves falling down the corporate ladder. Our finances, our government, our marriages, all of these could be shattered. How could we then put our hope in them? Or perhaps we have no hope at all. Everything is just too overwhelming. As believers, we are told to, in verse 13, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A hope that is a living hope an eternal hope, a confidence in God concerning the future, a hope that comes to us not by the wishful thinking of things of this world, but by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, a guaranteed, unchanging promise. And seeing we have the promise of this hope, this changes how we can live. We can live confidently, Confidently knowing that we have a heavenly inheritance, one that is eternal, everlasting, one that will never perish, an inheritance that is reserved for us. Confidently having the assurance that Christ will return, ruling the nations in truth and righteousness as King of kings and Lord of lords. If we live by faith in the living Christ, then this living hope is ours. Little did I know when I was studying a few weeks ago 
and I wrote this next section out that I was actually writing it for and to myself. It was something that I was going to need to hear. I scribbled the following thoughts. And this hope, this living hope, it's a hope that helps us through difficult times without being crushed. It carries us through various trials, cancer, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, divorce. This past Saturday, as you know, we buried my sister. Her battle with cancer was so short and she didn't even have time to fight. It was very unexpected for our whole family. It put us into shock and dismay. And that's how I felt. I felt crushed, overwhelmed, disappointed at failed plans. I felt like the world was standing still. Yet I went back and I read all that I just wrote. And then I turned to Romans 8, chap, um, sorry, Romans 8, verse 18. And I was encouraged by these words that the Apostle Paul wrote. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Yes, don't get me wrong. I needed to cry. I need to mourn. There is pain. There is suffering. Not only in our family circumstances, but in many, in yours. I think of our dear sister Kathy, who we've been praying for, who recently lost her husband Jeremy. The DeVilles, who are grieving the loss of Dave. I think of the Stewart family and their daily struggles they face, the breaks as they struggle with government restrictions on Quebec churches, our, um, or family dynamics that are hard because you're a believer and others aren't and they want nothing to do with God. I think of many of you in this room and the things that you're going through. Then there are the unspoken pains or difficulties that others might not even be aware of. The pain and suffering we go through now in this fallen world is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. So verse 13, we are to set our hope fully. But verse 13 starts with the word, therefore. Therefore what? Peter is telling us that in light of, or because of verses 1 to 12, because or since you've been elected by God, we see that in verses 1 and 2. Since God has given you a living hope, in verse 3. Since our inheritance is eternal, imperishable, it goes on forever, in verse 4. And then in verses 6 to 9, we saw that even though you suffer on earth, you have this salvation, this hope. This salvation that the prophets spoke of, which the angels longed to look for. Because of this, we have salvation an eternal inheritance given to us by the grace of God. So verse 13, therefore, therefore in light of all these things, since you have this glorious inheritance, now that you know all these things, set your hope fully on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on the grace when he will return and reign as king of kings. Therefore, in light of all these things in verses 1 to 12, since you have this glorious inheritance, now this is how you are to live in this dark world. Therefore, in light of all these things, since you have this glorious inheritance, live a life of holiness. And Peter now outlines a number of things we must do in order to live this life of holiness. I've written them up on the board. I've entitled this lesson, How Are We to Live? And the things that we are commanded to are number one, we are commanded to prepare our minds to think clearly. 
Number two, to be obedient. Number three, to be holy. And number four, we're to walk reverently with fearful attitudes. Let's look at verse 13 again. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your minds for actions. If any of you have the King James Version, it says, you are to gird up the loins of your mind. Back then, it was a custom for men to wear long flowing robes. In order for them to get ready to work, to run, or to fight in battle, they needed to lift up their robes and tuck them into the belt or their, or their girdle that was around their waist. This would allow them to be able to move around quickly without tripping or falling or stumbling. They were now ready for action. They were ready to run. They were ready to fight. We are to prepare our minds for action, gird up the loins of our minds. In order to hold on to this hope, our minds should be clear. We are to think clearly and have sharp minds. Verse 13, we are also to be sober-minded. Basically, don't let your mind be intoxicated. If you aren't sober, you're drunk. And if you're drunk, your mind isn't clear. You can't make proper, good, or straight decisions. You're distracted and can't think clearly. If you're sober-minded, it means you think clearly. You are self-controlled and alert. Preparing our minds and being sober-minded to truth. Fixing our mind on Jesus. What could be filling or intoxicating our minds? What could be causing us to be distracted? Money? Our careers? The books we read? The shows we watch? The music we listen to? Social media? What are we feeding our mind with and what is influencing us? Are we filling it with things of the world? Or are we feeding our mind with the scriptures, with good edifying books and music, with truth of the scriptures? Are we filling our minds with things that glorify God? The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So if we are to live a life of holiness, we are to set our hope fully on the revelation of Jesus Christ, having clear and sober minds, despite the trials we may be facing. As we hold fully to this hope in Jesus Christ, living a life of holiness, we are also to be obedient, which brings us to point number two. Verse 14 as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Passions of your former ignorance. These are old passions. Worldly passions and desires we had before we trusted Christ. The things from our past. The friends we hung out with. The things we used to have on our mind and hearts. The words that came out of our mouths. The places we went. We should not follow our desire nor be shaped by our old ways. We touched on this a little earlier, how things of this temporal world do not bring us hope. They bring us empty promises. They disappoint. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Verse 14 calls us his children, obedient children. If you think of your children at home, think about when your children are obedient. Or at least maybe one. Okay. (laughs) Maybe just think about one time that they were obedient. And when they are obedient, they listen, they desire to please, they make you happy, they do what is right. And if we're God's children, that means God is our father, which means we resemble him. We desire to be like him. We want to be conformed to his image. If we have a new life in Christ, we should have new passions. Our old passions are gone, and God's desire should be our desires. Love, mercy, grace. So we are commanded to, one, prepare our minds and think clearly. Two, be obedient. And now point number three, we are commanded to be holy. Verse 15 and 16, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We are to be holy as he is holy. This was a phrase that was repeated many times in the Old Testament. God commanded his people Israel in Leviticus 11.45, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 19.2, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. But if you think about it, that's huge. We are to be holy. Be holy, for God is holy. Yes, definitely, God is holy, but us, we're sinners. How can we be holy? It's pretty much impossible. What does it mean to be holy? To be holy means to be separated from sin, to avoid sin. It means to be different or set apart, to walk in God's ways, living as he lives. Being holy is to become more like Jesus, to have a changed heart and changed desires. Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 16 said, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We definitely cannot achieve to be holy here on earth because we are sinners. We fail, we fall, but we must live as holy people. Sometimes, most of the time, when we feel like it, only on Sundays? No, verse 15, in all your conduct, all the time, in all you do every day of your life, in all your thoughts, all your desires, and all the things you do and say, be holy. We should be different than the world, than those around us. We are not of this world. We belong to our Father. We are a reflection of Him, so we must live in a way that resembles Him, not the world that we live in. Darkness hates sin. Sin and evil and lies, they hate good and truth. This sinful world hates God, so it will hate us because we belong to Him. We are exiles. John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
But because of the hope we have in Jesus Christ, we can stand firm and be strong and be holy, setting ourselves apart from others, apart from the world. So as we set our hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ, we are commanded to live a life of holiness by, one, preparing our minds and thinking clearly, being obedient, being holy, and now we'll see that we are to walk reverently with fearful attitudes. Verse 17, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Again, here we are reminded that we are exiles. We're strangers here on this earth. This is, our own, this is our, only our temporary dwelling place. We await our eternal home. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. But while we're here on earth, we are to conduct ourselves in fear. What kind of fear? Well, it's a reverent fear of God, one that we are in awe of him and respect him. Why? Because we know two things. One, because in verse 17, it says, he is a father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. He is a father who judges impartially. He judges our actions with absolute fairness. Yes, he is a God of love, mercy, grace, kindness, but we aren't to take that for granted. He is also a holy God who will judge each of us specifically according to our deeds. The way we live should cause us to tremble, knowing that we are in his presence, recognizing who he is, a holy God. He's not a big daddy in the sky. He's not the big guy up there, but a holy, reverent God. We also need to walk reverently with fearful attitudes because the second thing we know is that we were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Verse 18 and 19, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The precious blood of Jesus. We have been ransomed by his precious blood. Blood that freed us, saved us, purchased us from the empty ceremonies and traditions of the past, from sin and death. Nothing of this world can save us. The most precious metals can't save us. No, we are of more value than that. It was the precious blood of his son, Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless life and went to the cross for us, like a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus was the new covenant. No more animal sacrifices were needed to temporarily cover human sin. Our hope is in Jesus Christ because of his precious blood being spilled out for us on the cross. And because of this, we need to be fearful the way we conduct our lives. This takes us now to verses 20 and 21. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world. The plan for Jesus to be born of a virgin, to, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to rise after three days, to return to his Father in heaven, this was God's plan all along, right from the beginning, before the beginning of time. 
It wasn't a quick or last minute decision that God made. It wasn't a mistake. It was God's plan, his plan of salvation. It was his plan that Jesus' blood would cover the sins of all those who receive him, who believe in him, who put their faith in him. And so centuries later, Jesus was revealed to the world as Savior. And so for those who place our and so for those of us who place our faith in God, who raised Jesus from the dead, we should be those who live with our faith and hope in God. Full hope, full certainty, eternal hope, hope that's never stripped away. And since we have this glorious hope, we are commanded to keep our minds clear, live obedient lives that are joyful and pleasing to the Lord, live holy lives in all areas of our life, while walking reverently with fearful attitudes. Here we are living like strangers in this selfish, broken world filled with evil desires, ungodly thinking, and passions. A world that places its hope in money, stocks, Bitcoin, success, the corporate ladder, degrees, diplomas, man, government, all of which will one day be stripped away. But praise the Lord, we can be encouraged and comforted knowing that we can fully set our hope on Jesus Christ, the perfecter of our faith. Not only, not on all those other things that will fade away, disappoint and tarnish, but our living hope, an imperishable hope, one who is eternal. Jesus Christ, who will reign forever as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How does this future shape us today? May it shape the way we live May we live a life of holiness because we are redeemed children of the King, redeemed by the precious blood of our Savior. Let us set our hope fully in him. At the beginning, I asked, do we have hope? If we do, what do we hope for? Or what do we have hope in? I ask you now, have you set your hope in Christ? If you haven't or still aren't sure what this means, reach out to me, one of the teachers, one of the pastors, their wives. Talk to one of us. Ask us questions. If you're listening on the podcast, call the church or email us. We'd love to tell you more about our hope in Jesus, how much he loves us, how much he died for us, and how he lives and wants all of us to be part of his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the instruction of your word. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that rescued us from sin and death. Thank you that we can look to the day when we will live with him in eternity. May we fully set our hope on this, in him, on the grace to be revealed. Lord, may we seek you, put you first, desiring your will in our lives, desiring to live a life of holiness in this fallen world. Lord, we need you and we love you. And we pray that you would guide and empower us, um, empower us all for your service, Lord. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.